Over the years, I have preached with one in my arms, so I can do this. So, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, which I hope you did, because I, I, I would hate to think that you didn't know where you were going when you left the house this morning. Uh, so, you brought your Bible to church with you. Matthew chapter 7. Um, I want to just read a few verses with you this morning and then take a few moments to talk about um, having the right foundation. Uh, so important for our life. So, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. If you don't have your Bibles with you, either uh, the, the written book or on your phone or, or somewhere else, it will be on the screen for you. So let's stand as we honor the reading of the Word of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is teaching a parable here, and uh, he starts with this story, and he says this, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And when the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descendeth, and the house came, and the winds blew, and uh, beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrines. Lord, we thank you that, Father, that the Word of God oftentimes astonishes us and, and causes us, O oh Lord, to, um, to take note as to what the Lord is saying. And so, Father, we pray this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture and see what Jesus is trying to tell us, that, Lord, that we would take note to the instructions that our Lord is giving unto each of us. May we be the wise servant. May we listen with ears to hear and a life willing to obey. Lord, I pray that you would move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross, that it not be my word, but your word, O Lord, that would speak unto your people today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place and we welcome you into our service and we pray that you would take control of everything and that, Lord, your will would be done through the work of the Holy Spirit and people would be moved by you and, and Lord, come forward according to thy will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you and you may be seated this morning. Now, I have yet to get to this particular place in, in, in the world, but yet I'm always fascinated to buy it. Uh, uh, this is one of those places that I do want to one day go and visit. I love to read about the, the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Uh, it, it's in Italy, and, and eventually they say it is going to fall over, eventually. Now let me tell you a little bit of history about this particular uh, building. Scientists travel to the town of Pisa every year to measure the building's slow descent. Um, they reported that the 179-foot tower, which was built in 1173, moves about 1 of an inch a year and is now 17 feet out of plumb. Now, how many of us would like to live in a house like that? Wow. Recent renovations that were made to save this 848-year-old tower and prevent it from completely collapsing. I, I did some research and read about what they were doing and said, I don't have time to tell you all. It's really neat what they did and how they fixed it. Uh, but uh, uh, quite significantly, we got to understand the word Pisa actually means marshy land. So think about that. 
They built this in a marshland. No wonder the thing is tipping over. All right? It gives some clue as to why the tower began to lean even uh, shortly after being completed. Uh, also, another issue is the fact that the foundation is only 10 feet deep. The reason for the Leaning Tower of Pisa uh, is because it is built on a faulty foundation. All right? The passage that we have just read this morning is all about two builders who build two different houses. Well, they're the same kind of house, but they build these two houses on two different types of foundations and with two different end results. Jesus teaches us that the foundation upon which we build our houses of our lives is of utmost importance unto how we will survive this life. I want to point out some truths found in this parable that show us why the foundation of your life truly matters every day. All right, first of all, we need to look at some comparisons. You see, there are two builders and two houses, and we need to kind of know, are they built about the same? Do they look about the same? Is, are, are we talking about apples and oranges, or, or are we talking about apples to apples? And we're talking apples to apples here. And I want to share just a few of those things with you this morning. First of all, the short parable appears to be speaking of two very different types of people. Now, it's all about houses, and it's all about foundations, but Jesus oftentimes did that in his parables. He would take an object that people would be familiar with and would understand to talk about the condition of their lives. And so when we think about what we're hearing here, Jesus is talking about two different houses by being built by the builders. He's talking about different people and how we build our lives, how we build our lives of faith and what we're building our lives of faith upon. So uh, Jesus pictures here several important characteristics that are common to each other. So let me point out a few of them. First of all, both houses, um, uh, well, both uh, people groups heard the word of Christ. The two people in the parable uh, both heard Jesus' message of faith and repentance. If you look at verse 24 and verse 26, it tells us that in both of those, as he talked about the house that was built upon the rock and the house that was built upon the sand, he says, they that hear my words. You see, Jesus is saying to both groups, they have both sat under the tutelage of my teaching. They have heard me teach the truth, and yet there is a difference in response. So the common thing is they both heard the same message of faith and repentance. Thus, both people referenced in the parable knew the way of salvation. Jesus was very clear to both of them, this is the way unto salvation. They both heard the gospel. The gospel, as we heard Josh talk about how important, and, and Carolyn tell us how important it is that we listen and we respond to the gospel. Each one had a different reaction. We all react to the gospel differently. Either we accept it or we reject it. Some are slow, some are fast, some are uh, definite, some are uh, questioning, but we all respond differently and we all respond in our own way. Now, in saying that, um, both heard the gospel, both built houses, meaning that they were beginning to build on their spiritual foundation. In other words, both 
people, the one who built upon the rock and the one who built upon the sand said, Jesus, I like what you're teaching. I'm going to start applying some of those principles to my life. I'm going to start building my life on some of those principles. Now, uh, each of these people built a house based upon their understanding of what Jesus said. The house is a parable of a picture of a life. That is, each man built a life based upon how they interpreted the message of Jesus in their own spiritual way. This means that both people believed the message to a certain point. Now, they, they liked what they heard to a point, all right? One more than the other. They each applied the word of Jesus to their life as they saw that it fit in the way they wanted their life to be lived, all right? Important note to remember. The third thing that we see is both houses are built in the same location. Now, how do I know that? Look at verse 27. And the rain descended and fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew. We see that in both. The storm was the same storm that hit both houses, and there was a different effect from the storm. So one storm came to one area, so that meant that these houses were built in close proximity to one another. All right, so I want to, uh, just for a moment, let me make an observation about, here about close proximity that maybe get, get the, the point across. All right. There are many of you sitting right here in this room, this very room, or maybe you're listening online, but you have sat in this very room for years. You have heard uh, uh, the teaching of Scripture. You have heard the message of the gospel. You have heard the Bible taught to you in this very building year after year. You have sat Sunday after Sunday and heard the very same message that everybody else has heard. But yet... In this very same room, each of us have responded to the Word of God differently. Each of us have taken bits or pieces or some of it or none of it and applied it to our life. Now, there are those who have taken the Word of God and they have taken it in and said, I want to apply it to my life. I want that to be the foundation of my life. I want that to be the structure of who I am. And I want to build upon that in my life so that everything that I've heard in here about Jesus and salvation and how to live for Christ, I have then applied to my foundation of my life. And then out there in the world, I have done, I've built my life around those foundational truths. And there's evident by, by many of you that you are uh, uh, faithful followers of Christ. But then there are those who have sat in the same sermons, in the same services, and have taken nothing from them and, or something from them and said, I will apply that, but I will apply it to the foundation of my life, my way, and, and I will make it work for me. And so it is evident in their life how they are living out their life that they're not the same strength of Christianity because they're taking that which God has said and they're twisting it to meet their desires instead of His. All right? So we, we have that proximity to the gospel, but the proximity to the gospel is not enough. We must respond to the gospel, and we must allow it to be the foundation of our life that changes our life from the foundation up. All right? So the next thing that we see is both houses were built similarly. All right? So uh, listen to what it says here. Nothing is said that the houses were different. 
They used similar material. They most likely had a similar design. From the outside, these two homes looked very similar. Um, you know, I, I, I love to go to those, what I call cook, cookie-cutter communities, where there's about three different houses in there, and as you drive down the community, you see it kind of goes one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And, and I, I, my daughter lives in one of those. Thankfully, she has one house that looks a little different than the others, because I get lost in those places. I'm not sure which one I'm supposed to, it's a cookie-cutter number one, group one or cookie cutter number group three that I'm supposed to go visit. Um, here the Bible tells us that these houses were cookie cutter. In other words, they were built from the same standard of material, each and every one. All right, so they look similar. Jesus spoke about them um, as, as where we might not even be able to tell them apart by looking at them. Now, as thinking about this, I thought about the fact that Jesus also talked about something that looks very similar. He talked about the wheats and the tares. You know, in another parable, Jesus said to his disciples that, that there was a, a farmer who was uh, casting his seed and he sold his seed and, and, and then his enemy came along and, and he sold tares, uh, the false wheat in among the, the wheat so that as it began to grow, the farmer said, wait a minute, did we not plant good seed? Uh, why are we got these two different plants? And, and, and remember, they look the same, so how do we know which one to pull up and which one not? And Jesus said, no. You can't pull them up too early. You've got to wait until the end because you will accidentally pull up the wheat instead of the tear, or you'll pull up the tear when you're pulling up the wheat. So he said, let them go to fruition because at the end is when we find out which is which. And do you remember how that we find out which is which? The wheat has something inside it. The tear has nothing inside it. And so the reality is that Jesus says we can look the same on the outside, but it's not about the outside. It's about what's going on on the inside. And Jesus said to the Pharisees the same thing. He said, listen, it's not about what's going on on the outside. He said, you all look real good on the outside. But he said, you are like a whitewashed tomb. You look pretty on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. You see, the reality is that we don't know one from the other. The picture is of people who have responded differently to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just to clarify for a minute, just, just humor me. For those of you that say, well, we already know what the gospel is, I want you to remember that the gospel is a very simple message. The gospel is not something complex. As a matter of fact, I love Paul's interpretation of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 3 and 4. Listen to what he says. For I delivered unto you first that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and then he rose again the third day according to that very scripture. You see, the gospel message is about his life, his death, and oh boy, we cannot forget his resurrection. The gospel is not complete without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is not something complex, but it's something simple. The Bible puts it this way, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. The gospel is simple. Salvation is simple. It's as simple as believing the very message of the gospel. 
Of course, you have to notice that the Bible also says in that verse, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Salvation involves a faith in the gospel, but it also involves repentance of sin and a willingness to yield your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. If he's not Lord of all your life, folks, he's not Lord at all in your life. I'm telling you, too many of us think that we can just give God a little bit here and he'll be satisfied. He said, I got to have it all or I don't want it at all. You see, we got to fully invest in the gospel. We got to fully give ourselves over to Christ. So people hear that message and they react to it differently. Regardless of how a person may react to it, they all are building their lives based upon what they think Jesus is saying to them. These people all build their house in the same location. That is, that they weather the very same storm, they work the same kind of jobs, they, uh, they do the same kind of things, they go to the same kinds of churches, they hear the same preaching, they live the same kind of lives on the outside, they look the same on the outside, but you really can't tell what's going on on the inside. Obviously, the people pictured here were religious. They were probably orthodox in their beliefs, serving and supporting in their church. They were responsible citizens. Both seemed to believe the same thing and live the same kind of lives outwardly. They have a lot in common. But you know, they also have a lot of things that are not in common. They have a lot of contrast as well. So we've looked at that which looks similar to uh, our, our lives and we know that, that, that you know, the, the outward sign of our life is not always the evidence of what's going on on the inside. There are a lot of good people that are living good lives out there and, and they are trying their best to be the best person they can, but they are dead on the inside. So I want to look at some contrast. What is Jesus trying to contrast here in this parable? A look at the contrast begins to show us that while there are several similarities, there are some very major differences between these two types of people as well. Those differences are worth our noting. First of all, one man, he says, builds his house upon the sand. All right? One man built his house with little preparation. He found a spot for his house and he began to build it. Sand is unstable, ever-changing, always moving. Sand offers no stability. Sand is not a good place to build your house, folks. So if you built your house on sand, you might want to consider having it moved. All right? Sand can never provide a firm foundation. Sand is not going to help you. In the contrast, uh, uh, the context of this verse, building on the sand speaks to people who hear the gospel, but instead of believing the gospel and coming to faith in Christ, they believe they can build their lives on the shifting sand of human philosophies, wisdom or opinions, or religious achievements. In other words, they say, well, I like what you're saying, Jesus, but I'm going to try to work my way uh, for a while and see if I can't earn some favor with God. They are driven by outward religious appearances and faith in themselves rather than the faith in the Lord Jesus who died upon the cross. 
People who build their house upon the sand hear the gospel and choose to try to save themselves instead of letting the gospel save them. They hear the gospel and they believe its general message that everybody needs salvation. Everybody needs uh, to, to get right with God. They believe that, but their idea of how to get right with God starts taking on a different approach. They choose to follow God on their own terms. To them, his word is open to interpretation. He, if he commands them to do something, they think, well, do I want to obey? Is it going to make me feel good? Is it going to make me look good? Then maybe I'll obey. If they don't like it, they don't do it. They build their house of their lives on their self-will, self-fulfillment, self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, and then, of course, on their own self-righteousness. Well, at least I'm better than him. But that's not going to cut it. Theirs is a work-based religion that has the appearance of being right, but lacks the power to save the soul. Paul described that kind of person like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, saying, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They look good but they don't have the power to change their heart. People build on the sand because it's easy. It requires little effort. You know, I, I, I'll do that if, if it don't take much time. I'll do that if it don't cost me much. Listen, my friends, we can never build our life in Christ on giving him just a little. It never works. It requires more than a little effort. It requires more than a little change here and there. And they can fool themselves for a while and they can fool people around them into thinking that they're right with the Lord, but the one that they never fool is the Lord himself. A life built on the sand requires no commitment, no sacrifice, and very little faith because we have enough faith in ourselves. People who build on the sand believe that they can pray a prayer, sign a card, join a church, and all will be well. That will get me through the gates. I can tell them I'm a member of Midway Baptist Church. The preacher accepted me into membership, and therefore I have a ticket to heaven. Absolutely not. You can be a member of any church and still miss heaven. A life built upon the sand is not a life that guarantees entrance into heaven. People who build upon that and pray those kinds of prayers, they are here today and gone tomorrow. And again, they show up the next day. And then they're gone again. They're up today and then they're down tomorrow. And then they're here and then they're gone. And then they, they're like the winds tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. When God makes demands upon the sand builders and calls for total surrender to His will, they come up with multiple excuses and I thought about that and I thought, well, you know, the Bible tells us all about that and Jesus actually encountered that in his own ministry. Jesus encountered the, the people who, who, when he called them to give their lives over to him totally, this is how they responded. In Luke's gospel in chapter 9, listen to these words. And it came to pass that, that they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee, whithersoever thou goest. 
And Jesus responds and said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee, but first let me go bid farewell, which are at home at my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looketh back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now let me just give you a real fast interpretation of what Jesus is saying here. The first excuse was, Lord, I, I will follow you, but first I've got to go take care of my parents, and when they're dead and gone, then I will uh, consider giving you my life. The other is that when uh, I've got to go back and say farewell to all my family, well, it may take a, a, a lifetime before they all move out. Them kids never leave. If my kids would just leave, I could go do things for God. And they did, and they brought back grandchildren. So now I'm busier than I ever was. See, see how the excuse limits our ability? And that's what God is saying. He that, that has an excuse instead of a servant's heart will never be fit for the kingdom of God. People who build their lives on religion and self-righteousness and false hope will not serve God. Life will always get in the way. They will not make sacrifices because they don't have time for sacrifices. They only walk the easy path. Sand builders like instant results, instant rewards, instant satisfaction, and instant pleasure. They are shallow people who love the heights but hate the depths. They are hot and then they're cold. They're in, they're out, they're up, they're down. They're here today and gone tomorrow. And they're, they're back when life kicks them in the teeth. Only until they get up and then they're gone again. But what about the one who builds his house upon the rock? Jesus has something to say about that. The, the, the word rock refers to a large outcropping of rocks or what we would call bedrock. We'd like to dig our foundations down to something solid so that we have a good foundation. Well, one man built his house upon the sand. The other one dug deep. He took the time to, to dig deep into what he was doing. He dug until he reached the bedrock that built his house upon that solid rock. This rock does not move. It is unchangeable. It is stable. Rock offers a good foundation for any home. Building on the rock speaks of people who hear the gospel and believe it to the point that they then begin to build their lives upon the solidness of its foundation. The rock that is the word here that is used in this verse identified as these words of mine. Jesus said, he that hears these words of mine, he's talking about the rock. The rock is the gospel. Now, it's the same word rock that we get in Matthew chapter 16 in verses 16 through 18 when Jesus is having that encounter with Peter. Do you remember that encounter? He says unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for thy flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock 
This rock, the foundation is upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, not Peter. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, when the church house is full of people that are built upon the rock, hell cannot move us. Nothing will defeat us. The unfortunate part is that too many of those sitting in the pews are built on shifting sand, coming in and going out, and we don't have enough rock builders. We need to get back to building our lives upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that people that join our church are truly saved in the gospel and living and believing and planning their life, self-sacrificing for Jesus Christ. What God tells them to do in His Word, they do. What God warns them to do, they avoid. Listen, we wouldn't have to stand up here and beg for the things that we oftentimes have to beg if we had more rock builders in our church. I'm just saying, folks. It's time that we hear the truth. They pay any price. They walk any path. They do anything the Lord tells them to do. The house was built upon the rock. is built upon someone who realizes that God deserves their, his very best. They sacrifice. They work. They do anything that they can to honor the Lord. They love him, honor him, and obey him. The rock builders are obedient to the word of God which proves that they love him. John chapter 14, verse 15 reminds us, and he says, he that says that he loves me, great. He that loves me obeys me, does what my word says. Rock builders hear the word of God and the gospel and make that foundation for their lives. By the way, this is how the redeemed know that they are redeemed. Listen to what First John, John chapter 2 says. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him verily is a love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him, and that he has abided in him himself also to walk even as he has walked. So there are two people in contrast, very different lives based upon how they hear the gospel and how they respond to it. One house is built upon a firm foundation of faith and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, while the other is built upon shifting sand of religion and self uh, works and self-righteousness. One of those houses describes the kind of life you and I are building right now. I want you to think about that just for a moment. What kind of house... Spiritual house, are you building your house upon? What foundation? Are you secure upon the rock or are you shifting in the sand? You're there a believer in the gospel in, in Jesus or you have a false religion and a false hope for salvation? I would just remind you that salvation comes simply from knowing Jesus Christ as Savior, not by what you do or don't do. We can never earn our way in. Who or what is the foundation of your life is the question that you and I should be asking this morning. Who or what are we building upon? Are we building your life upon the solid rock of the gospel of Jesus Christ, leaning into Him? Or are we building our life upon the shifting sand? I want to just take a few moments to close out looking at the consequences of the foundation choices that we make in our life. Now, I want to talk to all of us, but I want, to, I want to just address parents for just a moment. Let me just remind you, this is important. Because if we're not getting this right here, we're going to pay an awful consequence. 
not only for ourselves, but for our children. It is so important that we are living our lives in such a way that we are being the example that we need to be so that our children are seeing that serving Christ faithfully has its rewards. So let's talk a little bit about the consequences and I'll be finished here in just a few moments. The parable tells us that the rains came and the floods came and and the winds came and, and they were destructive. The image is not just about some storms in life. This image in which Jesus is talking about is about the end. Both houses are subject to a terrible storm called judgment. And it is as the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27, and it is appointed once unto men to die and then after that comes the judgment. Once the house stood, the other was totally destroyed. Let's look at the shifting sand and the consequences thereof. The house that was built upon the sand could not face the holy judgment of God. It collapsed. It was a great fall, the Bible says. Jesus wanted us to know that this was a great destructive force. This means that the house was utterly destroyed. Now what does that mean? Nothing left. There was nothing left to show for the life in which they lived. There was nothing left of the hopes, the dreams, the plans, the efforts, the works. Anything and everything that was destroyed was swept away as if it had never existed. Let me just give you what Mark, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8. For what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his very soul? We can have everything in this world, but when we stand before the Lord in judgment and we have not the Lord Jesus Christ, all that we had is gone, forgotten, for not. We are going to spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And it is a real place, my friends. This is a picture of what happens to every person who builds their life upon anything else but the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is coming a day of judgment for all of us. There is a coming day when every person will face God face to face and will give an account for their life. And we will have to come under the blood of Jesus Christ or else we will pay the ultimate consequence. There is coming a day called judgment day. There is coming a day when every person will have to give an account. People who are trusting in religion and good uh, works some prayer that they prayed, some uh, aisle they walked, won't matter. Listen, my friends, if we are coming based upon anything other than our trust and faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, when we meet the Lord in judgment, it will all come tumbling down. The person who builds their life on the sand will spend eternity in a place called hell forever and ever when they die. But what about the person who builds their life upon the solid rock? What are our consequences? The house that was built upon the rock experiences the same storm. Remember the similarity. We said that they were built in the same location. The same storm hit them. The same judgment. Listen, I'm telling you that God is going to judge every person the same way. We're all going to stand before God. It doesn't matter if we're white, black, blue, or green. It doesn't matter if we're from America or Europe or where we're from. What matters is that every human being is going to stand before God and have to give an account as to whether or not we accepted Jesus Christ or we rejected Jesus Christ. Every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe in this world, that is the ultimate truth of judgment. And the person who builds his house upon the rock, 
It says that the storm came, the winds beat upon it. The word beat means to strike, to batter. It means it beat the living daylights out of it. Now, this house may have been shaken in the wind, but it never moved off of its foundation. Listen, my friends, there is coming a day when we're going to stand before God, even those of us who are built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ, and he's going to say, okay, now that you're on the rock, what have you done while you were standing on my rock? And listen to what the Apostle Paul says about uh, enduring the storm. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, and he said this, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth upon that foundation. Talking about Jesus. But let every man take heed how he buildeth upon that foundation. For other foundations can no man lay, but that which is laid in Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall show it and be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. It sh because it shall be revealed by fire, and the, the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abideth with, he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned up, he shall suffer some loss. But he himself, listen, shall be saved, yet so by the fire. Listen, we, we may not do everything right, and in the end, we may lose a few things here and there, but the ultimate goal is because we're built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, we are saved by his grace. The house stood because it was built upon the word of God and the gospel of grace. The house stood because the builder dig deep into the earth and built it upon something greater than himself. Why have we been asking you to spend time reading the word of God? Because this, my friends, is what we need to be digging into to make sure that we are on the solid rock. The builder had built his house and on the finished work of Jesus Christ our Lord. The builder believed the gospel, but not only believed it, he understood that Jesus died for him. He rose from the dead and therefore gave the power of salvation unto all who believe. The person who built his house upon the sand, he did not expect it to, uh, to fall. He did not intend for his house to fail. He thought that he was doing everything the right way. He thought that he was building a house that would stand against the test of time. He was confident in his house. He was confident in himself. He was wrong. His confidence is not in the Lord, but in works. His confidence was misplaced. There's nothing wrong with the house, my friends. There was nothing wrong with the material that he was building his house with. The problem for him and for many of us is the foundation in which we're building upon. The Apostle Paul said we should build upon no other foundation but that in Jesus Christ. Too many of us are building our foundation of our spiritual life on things that we think we know in the way we know instead of upon the gospel that we're supposed to know. So let me close. Every, everybody in this room, every one of us, from children up to adult, are building a spiritual house. Every one of us are in the process of building a spiritual house. Every day we attach... Uh, boards, we drive nails, we add on rooms, we try to improve our spiritual house. Regardless of what you do to the house you are building, what matters is the foundation.
Listen, you can have the most beautiful house, but if it's built upon shifting sand, it will not hold together. I've seen it too many times come crumbling down. We need to be sure that our foundation is upon the rock of Jesus Christ today. If you're not sure, if maybe you come today to realize that you're building upon the wrong foundation, it's shifting and it's wavering, you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as the foundation for your life, what you need to do is come to Jesus today. And He promises that He will save you and He he will help you to get started building upon the right foundation so that you'll have a house that will last and withstand the judgment. Please don't ignore what I'm saying to you today. Whether you're a child or whether you're a senior adult, matters not. Every week I go up to Forest Ridge and I talk to senior adults that I know. Some of them have never responded to the gospel. They've never heard the gospel presented in a way. And I give them an opportunity because the Bible says that while there is yet breath, there is hope. Do not ignore what I'm saying today. If you have not placed your foundation in Jesus Christ, today is the day in which you must do it because the storm is coming. And your house is right in the path. And when the storm comes, the only houses that will stand are the houses that are built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ and His Word. If you're on the wrong foundation today, in just a few moments as we close out our time, we're going to have a quick invitation, an opportunity for you to come to the altar to pray. It's not about the prayer. It's about responding by faith to believe that I know that I thought I was living the right way, but I know that I'm not, and I got to give Jesus everything. You've not done that yet. Why not today? For those of you watching at home, we thank you for worshiping with us. If you need to make that decision, please call us here at the church. Uh, Our information is on the screen for you. We hope that you will reach out to us so that we can respond back to you. For those of you that are here in the building, I'm going to ask that you just stand to your feet and and our musicians are going to come and and they're going to lead us in a, a song of invitation.